Hi, this is Addison Labonte from Organically Addison, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and the confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 327. Today, I have Addison Labonte here with me, and she is going to talk to us about pursuing a passion project while still maintaining another job. Addison is the content creator and recipe developer at Organically Addison. Her blog features all gluten-free recipes that are easy, delicious, and great for the whole family. She also includes other diets and allergy-friendly recipes, so no one ever misses out on their favorite foods. Addison, hello. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, Megan. I'm so excited too. Thank you for having me. Yes, I love this topic. I think this is such a good one because a lot of bloggers are kind of viewing their blogs as like passion projects while they maintain a separate life really in other areas or other jobs. So I'm really excited to talk about this with you today. But before we talk about that, let's hear your fun fact. So my fun fact is that I was a division one college soccer player. I played soccer my whole life and it's probably my first love, but getting to play at the college level was a dream come true. So that is my fun fact. Oh my gosh. Soccer is so awesome. You soccer girls kick butt. You were so amazing. I love that. No pun intended, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. As I said it, I was like, oh wow, I didn't even try. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about our topic. I love this. A lot of people listening, a lot of my listeners are in this boat where they're managing so many different things. So they have maybe families and jobs that they go to from nine to five, and then they come home and they love their blogs. And so many people I know are literally in love with their businesses and their blogging businesses. So this is going to align with a lot of people. So I would love to hear your story. I know you grew your page views pretty significantly while having a full-time job. So would you mind just talking us through your story, Addison? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So in college, I was a math major with a business minor, and I always thought that I would have a career in finance. Both of my parents are in finance, and it just seemed like the right path for me. So a couple years after I graduated college, I was working in the finance world, and it just wasn't as fulfilling as I would hoped it would be. So I started to think about, you know, what sort of like side hustle, passion projects can I do that would, you know, fulfill me a little bit more or would at least add some fun into my life. So right after college is when I discovered that I had to be gluten-free. I was actually training for a half marathon and had severe pain and numbness and tingling in my legs when I ran. So I saw, I think it was three doctors and a sports specialist doctor. And they all said, 
you have something called compartment syndrome, which basically means that the muscle fibers that surround my muscles in my legs don't expand when I'm running. So in a normal person, these muscle fibers expand, the increased blood flow goes to these muscles and everything works out well. For whatever reason, my muscle fibers do not expand. So my muscles are trying to literally get swollen while I'm running and they can't, there's nowhere for them to go. So it'd start off as like tingling, numbness. It was super painful. And the doctor said, you have two choices. You can either quit running or you can get surgery on both your legs. It would be like a 12 month total recovery with no activity. So I was like, you know, this makes no sense. I was just a college athlete in the best shape of my life it made absolutely no sense to me. So I knew that I had to change something. And thankfully my aunt is a seasoned marathon runner and she encouraged me to go gluten-free because she said that she felt great when she was gluten-free and training for her races. So within a week or so of going gluten-free, my entire life had changed. I no longer had any numbness or pain when I was running, which I, I could not believe that. And it's now been almost six years that I've been completely gluten-free and I feel amazing. I used to get one to two headaches every week growing up and for the first 22 years of my life. And I just thought that that was normal. So I've had several symptoms just disappear and I feel great and I'm, I was able to finish two marathons. So being gluten-free absolutely changed my life. So here I am, this gluten-free person in a finance world and something just wasn't clicking. So I used to follow several food bloggers on Instagram and thought it might be fun one day to just have an Instagram for my gluten-free recipes. So I started it in July of 2018 and thought this will be, you know, just fun. I'll maybe post once a day and, you know, maybe a hundred people will follow me. And it just, ended up growing and growing. And then finally, at the end of 2018, I decided that I should probably start a blog to house all these recipes in one place. So I started a blog. I hired Bluehost to build the blog for me because I had never built a website and had absolutely no idea where to start. (laughs) And then it just was a series of, you know, posting my recipes, trying to figure out some very basic computer programming things so that I could, you know, change up my website. And for about a year or so, it was still just this fun hobby. And then I'd say once I got like close to 2020, obviously the world shut down. And I realized that, you know, this is such a great time for me to start treating this like a business. So I was still working full time, but I was able to work from home, which gave me a lot more flexibility to blog and to create new recipes. So I would literally wake up and blog and then I would log on for work. And then I would, as soon as 5 PM hit log off, I would be making recipes on the weekends is when I would photograph a lot of my recipes because that was before I use artificial light, which is a whole nother story, but I'm obsessed with artificial light now. So I would say 2020 for me was the turning point where I started to treat this less like a hobby and more like a business. Wow. So you kind of took the pandemic and just ran with it, but did you still have your full-time job? You were still working, correct? Yes. I still had my full-time job. So it was a lot to juggle. Yeah, that is a lot. So 
I guess, like, how did you grow despite having so much to do? Because when you get home from work, I've been there. I was always so tired that I had to like structure my days. Like, okay, I had a minimum. I don't know how you do it, but I would be like, you need to work on the blog for 15 minutes at least every night. And then that would turn into like, you'd get carried away. And then it would be like, oh my gosh, I need to take care of my family. So how do you do everything without getting carried away or just like not starting at all? Yeah, that's a great question. Because I'm so passionate about this, it has never felt like work to me. It's a ton of time and so much effort. I've poured my heart and soul into this blog, but I'm lucky that has never felt like a chore or like work for me. So I'm excited to do this every day. For me, I would get so excited for when 5 p.m. hit and I could switch over from finance to my blog. I try not to set hard and fast rules for myself, even though I'm a very type A person. I don't like saying, you know, two hours this night or three hours this night. I kind of have let my blog become somewhat of a not so structured. I'm a very structured person, but this is kind of my creative outlet. So I would say most nights after work, it was like three to four hours of blogging. And that would be testing recipes, updating old posts, Pinterest, Facebook, newsletter, all that sort of stuff. So I'm lucky in the sense that I don't have children. (laughs) So I'm able to devote so much time to my blog, but I would just encourage people, you know, however much time you can give it, give it that time. If you're watching TV at night, well, why don't you just open up your laptop and blog? Or why don't you go on Pinterest and pin or Facebook and post or Instagram and, you know, add some stories. So if you can kind of weave it into your everyday life, I I feel like that will be super helpful. So I kind of feel like just hearing your story that part of the reason you've been able to grow so fast is because you did find a niche that really resonated with you and your story and you were able to focus in on that and just really give it your attention. What are some other growth strategies that you feel supported your page views that you're getting now and all of the growth and success you've seen? I would say the biggest thing for me has been learning how to keyword research. That was the biggest turning point in my blogging career, so to speak. I took a keyword research course and it really showed me how much I was doing incorrectly. Uh, Prior to this course, I would create recipes that I wanted to create. And I didn't think about the length of the post or what the title would be or how to add alt text to my photos, what to put in my headers, it was very much so my personal recipes. Whereas now I put a lot of time and research into keywords. So how can I take my recipes, find a great keyword for them, and then optimize my post? So learning SEO has been a game changer for my blog. It has increased my page views more than I ever thought was possible and really took my hobby and turned it into a business. What do you use to do your keyword research? And then also how often do you post new content and do you also repost old content? That was a lot of questions in one. (laughs) (laughs) I think I got it. (laughs) Okay. I use key search to keyword research. And then I also use Google. I have several like Chrome extensions that I add added to my Chrome browser 
And that will tell me once I type something in on Google, it will tell me how many monthly searches there are, um, how difficult this keyword is. So that has really helped me. And then I'd say for new content, I probably average about 10 new recipes per month, but I feel like it kind of goes in cycles. So some weeks it's only one or two and then other weeks it's four or five. And that's because I like to batch work my content. So one week it'll be, you know, all testing recipes and then it'll be all photographing. And then I'll sit down at my computer one day and type out like two or three blog posts. So the blog post part is a lot more critical thinking, whereas being in the kitchen is a little bit more creative and fun. And I absolutely love the photography aspect of it. So I really enjoy those days, but I would say overall, maybe 10 or so per month. And then I've been trying to go back and update my old posts because they are cringeworthy. They are (laughs) terrible. Honestly, there's no thought or process behind them. And some of them, I can't even come up with a good keyword to rewrite them for. So a lot of my old stuff has just remained old and sad. When I can, (laughs) when I can update, I do update. And that's always fun because I get to remake the recipe and re-photograph the recipe and also cringe at my old photos, which were taken (laughs) with my iPhone in horrible lighting and there's no rhyme or reason to them. But yeah, I think that answered all all of your questions. Yeah. You didn't take uh, guacamole photos that look like dog vomit (laughs) that's sitting on a ledge in your loft with a yellow lamplight shining on it that you probably don't have. I can claim that one. (laughs) Not quite, but I have similar ones. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I feel like we should start a gallery of all of our old cringy photos. We've got to have, between all food bloggers, we have to have a massive collection of those. I'm like, no wonder no one's made that recipe. It looks horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. I have so many of those. And my blog is like ancient. So I, yeah, I have a lot of them. Let's take a quick break to talk about SideChef and their new affiliate program. SideChef is a free recipe cooking app that I have been using for the last decade and I love it. It's a meal planner tool and my favorite feature is the possibility to buy the ingredients from my favorite recipes with just one click directly from their app or website. And they have some great news to share. They just launched their affiliate program, which offers you, foodie content creators, a new way of monetizing your food content by turning all your recipes shoppable. So how does it work? It's simple. You sign up to SideChef's recipe-based affiliate program, upload the recipe ingredients of the recipe you want to promote, and SideChef's online grocery technology will generate you a link that you can add to your webpage, social media posts, or wherever you want. Your fans will click on the link and all the ingredients will be matched to the products available at their local Walmart store. The best part is that you will receive a commission on each successful purchase. One important thing to note about this program is that there is no exclusivity or sharing of your content. You keep the ownership and control. SideChef just makes it easier for anyone to shop your delicious recipes. To learn more about SideChef's affiliate program, go to sidechef.com forward slash affiliate and apply today. Again, go to sidechef.com forward slash affiliate and apply today. Now back to the episode. So keyword research is magical, right? If you do just a little bit of it, it goes so far. And it's I it's like eye-opening because the first time you start doing it and see the results, it's crazy. And then you realize how much power there is. So then you start going back and like putting more effort into it. 
and it can really grow your traffic and your blog quickly. Do you have any other strategies outside of keyword research and SEO that really helped you grow? I would say second to SEO and keyword research would be my photography. So another great thing that came out of early 2020 was once I was working from home, I decided it was time for me to finally learn how to use a DSLR camera. So I picked up my mom's camera and honestly, I taught myself a lot of the basics. I have watched hours upon hours, probably days upon days of YouTube videos all about how to blog and the back end of blogging, but also food photography. And then I ended up taking two different courses about food photography and then about artificial light. But I feel like for me, that was a big turning point because it was another aspect of my hobby that I then turned into a business. So these weren't just amateur photos that I was taking on my iPhone really quickly. You know, there was a thought process behind my photo shoots and my photos started to do much better on Instagram. So even a couple years ago, I feel like it was a lot easier to grow on Instagram. And I had a couple, I think it was my gluten-free cookie dough recipe that was the first one that really, really did well on Instagram. I think I had like 5,000 likes on that one photo. And at the time I was like, wow, I don't even think I'd hit 1,000 on a photo before. And that one climbed up to 5,000. So it was further proof that food photography can also be a game changer. So I would say that in addition to SEO and keyword research, having great content, especially aesthetically, makes a huge difference. Oh, I so agree with that. But with that said, do you agree with this that if somebody is listening and all they have is their phone and they're okay with that for now, just to go with that and then change to DSLR when they're ready? Absolutely. Yes. For the first two or so years of having a blog, all I did was take photos on my iPhone. And the good thing about SEO is that SEO does not take into account how pretty your photos are. So you can absolutely still rank high up in the Google search results with iPhone quality photos. And I also have several friends who only use iPhones and honestly, their pictures are beautiful. I know. I know. That's kind of my point is I just met with, we hosted a retreat retreat here in Minneapolis over the weekend. And there was a newer blogger there who takes photos on her iPhone. And she was like, do you think this is okay? And she showed us her photos and they were great. And I was like, you know what? If that is working for you right now, just keep doing it. And don't stress about needing to upgrade yet until you're ready. Yes, absolutely. And that's another piece of advice that I want to give people is things will never be perfect. You have to work with what you have and with what you know and just start. If you waited until everything was perfect, if you had like a pretty looking blog and a really nice camera, I mean, you might never get started. So if you only have your iPhone, just work with what you have, do as best you can. And then, you know, maybe someday you upgrade to a digital camera. I love that. Okay. Anything else outside of SEO, keyword research, camera, photos to grow? So what, I don't know, like anything else or social media, like how much of a focus did that have for you? Yeah. So I poured a lot of time and effort into my Instagram, especially at the beginning. And I feel like another growth tip I have is to really build that sense of community around your blog, around your recipes, and especially on Instagram. 
I think that people really like to follow bloggers because they're people and they don't necessarily just want to follow a website. So if you can really, you know, foster that sense of community on your social media channels, then that will make a big difference. So ways I try to do that is I try to ask questions of my audience on Instagram, or I'll do like polls on my Instagram stories so that it's, you know, an interactive experience for people. And another thing that I think makes a difference is I answer every single DM that I get. And I'm not, I don't even have that many DMs, but every single time someone reaches out to me, whether it's a comment, a question, even if they say, you know, why didn't this recipe work? Or can I substitute this? I always 100% of the time will answer them. I don't want anyone to feel like I've forgotten about them or I don't have time for them because I mean, as bloggers, we literally wouldn't be here without our audience. Right. So I think it's really important to answer to your audience and to make them feel, you know, important and a part of the process as well. Mm, That's a key point. And it really doesn't take a huge time investment to do that. Like you said, you don't, I mean, we might not have a ton of DMs that trickle in, but when they come in, take a minute and just reply to let people know you're human. And I think people really appreciate that. Is there anything you would do differently having created this blog that has so many page views? Looking back, what would you change? I would start keyword researching from the very beginning. Like I said, a lot of my early content is <laughs> there's just no there's no strategy behind it. I just was putting up random recipes that, you know, I thought sounded delicious, but if no one can find them on the Google search results, then they're not going to really get any page views. So that is probably the biggest thing that I would do differently. I wouldn't really change all that much though, because everything that I did wrong, I have learned from and I have since fixed it, thankfully. And I really feel like it's given me this sense of fulfillment and being a food blogger is incredibly rewarding because you know, this is something that I've built and this is something that's all my own. I don't have anyone who works for me. This is all me. So getting to pour my heart and soul into this blog and having it become what it is, is it's honestly a dream come true. I never in a million years thought that I would be a food blogger. I mean, I was a math major. That's another thing I might (laughs) go back and do an easier major because I'm like, what was I thinking? But this is just, it's been a huge dream come true. So I wouldn't necessarily change all that much. I just think I would probably work smarter, not harder from the start and just be a little bit more strategic about how I do things. Mm, That is great advice. Let's talk a little bit about balance because even if you are just absolutely in love with the work that you do on your blog, it still does require balance because otherwise we don't sleep. <laughs> I mean, you you have to eventually put it down and do other things, even if you don't have children. So how do you recommend people find balance with blogging and having a full-time job and or family? I would just say to be very intentional with your time. And this is something that I am working on as well. So If you're going to blog, you need to be very intentional with how you spend your time. And I would also say to batch work your content. So what I mean with being intentional is if you're sitting down to write a blog post, you know, don't have your phone next to you. Maybe don't have like, you know, other distractions going on, sit down and write the blog post and then, you know, go and do whatever you are going to do. 
obviously that's a luxury. The fact that I'm able to just sit down without distractions, but there are some days when I'm tired or I'm, you know, half writing a blog post, half scrolling Instagram and things take twice as long. So my biggest piece of advice would be to be very intentional. You know, I'm going to sit down and write this blog post and then, you know, one to two hours, it's going to be done. Then I can, you know, do whatever, scroll Instagram or do something else. I feel like that's, that's the biggest thing. And then also batch working your content. So if you're spending a day in the kitchen, why don't you, you know, make three or four recipes or two to three, you know, if they're a little bit more involved and then photograph them. And then the next day you can edit your photos and write the blog post. That way you're not in the kitchen for a few hours, photographing, then writing, and then you repeat the whole thing the next day. I find that I save a lot of time if I, you know, devote one or two days in the kitchen, which for me is the weekends because I have a full-time job. And then at night I like to write the blog post. So if you can kind of do that and just, like I said, be very intentional with the time that you do have and try not to waste time. So sit down, write your blog post, or if you're in the kitchen, make the recipe, photograph it. Yeah. I think that that would be my biggest piece of advice. I found that batching is one of the biggest things that food bloggers just, I'm not like, I'm just kind of generalizing. I know not everybody resists this, but a lot of food bloggers resist that also holds the most power because there's that flow state you get in no matter what you're doing. And you can get so much work done if you enter that state and as opposed to like what you were saying, doing a bunch of different things and then starting again the next day. It's just not the same. Batching is so powerful. I love it. And I love that you do that. Do you batch with like keyword research, writing? Like what tasks do you batch that you find the most effective? I do batch my keyword researching to an extent. I also have a list on the notes section of my phone and it's probably a hundred keywords long. And these are all recipes that are to be made in the future. (laughs) But for instance, if I have like the other day, I bought a huge thing of strawberries at the grocery store because they looked delicious. So I came home and immediately went to key search and just typed in strawberries. And I found like three or four good quality keywords all about strawberries. So in that sense, I will kind of batch my keyword researching. It depends on seasonality or things that I already have in my kitchen. But I think the biggest thing for me for batching work is the kitchen days because those are long. They are definitely tiring, but I find that it's so much easier to just pump out two to three recipes in the kitchen in one day than, you know, kind of dirtying my kitchen every single day. And I'm always left with a huge mound of dishes in my sink, but you know, then I've then I have meals for the next couple of days and I don't have to think about cooking um, while I'm writing my post. So it kind of all it's it's like a cycle. It all works together. But yeah, I would say that my kitchen days are definitely the biggest bang for my buck in terms of batching content. Do you have any wise pieces of advice for people listening who want to maybe have a blog? Maybe they haven't even started a blog yet, but they have a job and they're hesitant to start because they think it'll be too much work. It is a lot of work, but it is a lot of fun. If it wasn't so fun, I would have stopped a long time ago. My biggest piece of advice is to dream big. That's something my parents always instilled in me growing up. They always said, you can be and do whatever you want to do as long as you work hard enough to get there. So I always think about that when I 
first started my Instagram and my blog, you know, it was kind of a far off dream, like, oh, maybe someday, you know, you know, I'll get this many page views or work with this brand or earn this much money. And, you know, I'm kind of at that point today. And it's like, if, if I hadn't had that little, you know, I shouldn't say little, if I hadn't had that big dream, you know, for almost four years ago now, I probably would have never started. And the other biggest piece of advice I would give is don't ever, ever let fear hold you back. And that doesn't come to just blogging that comes to life in general, but never let one of my favorite quotes is never let the fear of striking out, keep you from playing the game. So think about how many different things in your life you would do if you weren't letting fear hold you back. Just, just start. I mean, have that, take your dream and make it a reality with lots of hard work in between. That is such great advice. Thank you, Addison. Is there anything we've forgotten that you want to be sure to mention about this topic before we start saying goodbye? I don't think so. Yeah, there's nothing that comes to mind necessarily. It's just, this has been, it's a pinch me every, every morning when I wake up and I'm like, I get to, you know, I get to have this blog. I, I get to have my full-time job, but I also get to do this. And it's so fulfilling and rewarding and it's so much fun. And I jokingly tell people that I make cookies for a living, which is obviously (laughs) a joke, but some days that's what it feels like. You know, I'm in the kitchen on a Saturday or a Sunday and I'm making cookies and brownies and I'm like, I get to do this and people care about what I say. And it's just, it's so much fun. So my biggest thing is just please start take your dream and just start, start with what you have, start with what you know, and never, ever, ever give up, you know, keep working hard. It is so much time and so much energy, but it is beyond worth it. Thank you, Addison. This was amazing. I appreciate you being here today and sharing all of this value. So just thank you for all of your time. Thank you. It was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you did just share a quote. I don't know if that was your quote you wanted to share or do you have an an additional quote or words of inspiration to share with us? So that's my favorite quote. I love that quote, but I think just dream big. Mm. Life is too short, you know, and don't let fear hold you back. If you knew you could not fail, what, what would you do? And I'm so glad that I didn't let fear hold me back when starting this blog. And I just, I went for it and I said, I don't care what people say about me. I don't care if, you know, anyone sees this and thinks it's stupid or weird or or whatever. And I am so thankful every single day that I said yes to myself and to making this blog. It is my absolute favorite hobby and I love talking about it. I can definitely hear it in your voice that it is indeed a passion project for you. So I love that. I love it. We'll put together a show notes page for you, Addison. If anyone wants to go look at them, you can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash organically Addison. Tell everyone again where they can find you on your blog and on social media. Great. So I'm super easy. I am organically Addison on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And if you could show me some love on TikTok, (laughs) that's been an interesting journey. But you can also find videos of a lot of my recipes there. And it's, I mean, they're very amateur videos on my TikTok, but fun to create those, give you a little glimpse inside my gluten-free kitchen. But yep, just organically Addison. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Addison, for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. 
We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.